So how important is water baptism? Very important. Uh, we understand that salvation comes through Christ alone, through the cross of Jesus Christ. Even a man on the cross beside Jesus never got baptized in water, but Jesus said, you'll be with me in heaven today. So baptism isn't this requirement, but there is something powerful about this as a tool in our lives. And maybe, you know, you've experienced this before and you didn't really uh, know to apply your faith to that happening. But I want to encourage all of you, all of us, to consider what if on Easter Sunday, God used you to demonstrate that deeper level of faith to everyone who will be here that day. Uh, people who sometimes come on Easter in the U.S., uh, we call them Christmas Easter only, CEOs, and um, they show up a couple of times a year, and they don't ever even experience sacraments like water baptism. So this year, we wanted to just open that up, anybody who feels led to be involved in that. Uh, we don't typically do this at that time of year, but um, if you would, just fill out a Connect card if you're interested in having that conversation or fill that out online, and uh, we'll follow up with you and, and kind of walk all that out together. Awesome. It's a good day. Great to see you all here today. We missed home for a few weeks away, but came back really refreshed. Today, um, I want us to talk about what it is to really grow deeper. And I'll just warn you right up front, this is a pretty painful morning with what I think the Lord is wanting to address within all of us. Um, it's kind of taken me a little bit of process of pain and time and prayer uh, just to be able to come to the point of bringing the word, I think, the way the Lord is desiring for me to do so. But as I'm speaking, I just want to remind you how important it is that God is maturing the church in this hour, and you didn't show up with the surface-level perspective of trying to listen to a motivational speaker today. That's not what this is. We're here to learn from God. Uh, the Bible says you don't need a man to teach you because the anointing will teach you. What that means is you can be under the sound of a man or woman's voice, but be paying attention to what God is revealing in that moment, and everybody can hear the Lord individually for themselves, even in the midst of what we're going to be talking about. So the power exists in His Word. We're going to be turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, so you might want to just go ahead and open your Bibles to that and be prepared. We'll read that together in just a few moments. The main question I want to ask you out of today's conversation is are you growing spiritually, and does it really matter? Are you growing spiritually? So think about that. Uh, are you in a different place spiritually today than you were one year ago? Um, are you growing spiritually, and does it really matter? So I want us to see um, the Bible actually speaks of how we should be people who live by the Spirit and not mere men and women like everybody else on the planet. It's kind of an interesting uh, vocabulary that Paul uses in his writing to the Corinthian church, but we are to be men and women of the Spirit, not just mere men and women like everybody else on the planet. You know, if, you, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're spiritually dead. If you have accepted Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as the atonement for your sin, then you're spiritually alive. How many of you know somebody who's spiritually dead and somebody who's spiritually alive actually should be living in two very different perspectives? 
If you are spiritually alive, then you have the sense and ability and capacity of discernment. You can spiritually discern things, not just logically decide them, but you can spiritually discern what's taking place. And sometimes it's illogical uh, in the things that God calls us to do. And so that's what Paul's getting at as he's writing this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's pick up there in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. <laughs> he said, I had to talk to you on a more surface level than the capacity you have to understand or comprehend. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? It's just such a challenging thought, isn't it? We should not just be standing on the planet echoing the concerns of our culture the way everybody else is. I just want to reiterate what I said a few weeks ago. It takes no sacrifice and no anointing to criticize. It takes no sacrifice and anointing just to react in fear. But it takes anointing and it takes sacrifice to move from being one who will just criticize to be one who will begin to prophesy, to declare what God has to say about circumstances and situations that are going on rather than just parroting what it is that I'm you know, hearing the news say or what everybody else tends to be saying. You and I are not just to be thermometers telling the, the climate. We're to be thermostats setting the tone and actually releasing something that brings a change to the spiritual atmosphere of the world around us. And that's why this question is so important. Are you growing spiritually and does it it really matter what kind of spiritual atmosphere exists in your heart right now and what kind of spiritual atmosphere exists in your home these things really impact more than what we realize a few weeks ago we had our fuel the fire uh, weekend and that morning I said something that I just felt the Lord was reiterating to me I've never uh, framed it this way but but I just shared, and it's just an analogy for a husband-wife. It applies for every single one of us. But the analogy is, if a husband is covering up sin in his life, disobedience and sin against God, and the wife is discerning that something is wrong, then what happens if he continues to cover that up and doesn't confess what's going on, she begins to malfunction prophetically. What that means is she discerns him, but because he says it's okay, she dismisses her discernment. And in doing so, it lessens the prophetic capacity of her life because she keeps dismissing discernment. And the more you dismiss what God reveals, the less you're going to be paying attention to what it is he's trying to say. This then causes her to begin to abandon a certain prophetic awareness that not only affects her, 
but it affects you. I'm just talking to husbands for a moment here. Uh, If this is going on in your life, then you got to understand it's impacting the prophetic awareness not only in your wife, but it happens also to be impacting that in your life. And it will also affect that in your children, and it will also affect that in your children's children, because God has actually planned for every one of us to rise up in a greater depth of spiritual reality, producing and releasing a prophetic legacy that we not only experience and encounter in our hearts and in our homes and with our children, but it's to be a legacy that we leave in the earth and we awaken something from heaven in the atmosphere of this earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not just talking about husbands dealing with things. I'm talking about all of us dealing with things. But you get the picture and the idea. This has an effect. This has an impact. So are you growing spiritually and does it really matter? It matters more than I can explain and more than we can understand. Because it's impacting generations after you. Your life does not just impact your life. I recently had a conversation with a pastor and and a, a man who married. They have children. The, the man came to know the Lord in his church. And after he gave his life to Christ, his wife saw such a transformation in his life. He became so soft and sensitive and loving in the sense of what God was doing in his heart. She was then drawn into a place of making a decision to serve the Lord as well. So they both accepted the Lord. And then their oldest child accepted Christ. And their younger child, probably seven or eight years old, uh, was really contending with a lot Uh, a lot of physical issues, a lot of mental issues, a lot of circumstances going on, actually, even at this age, had very little vocabulary. Uh, And, 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 you know, they were doing the best they could with this whole situation. And then the the dad, the mom, the older sibling gets saved, and, and something starts to happen in the atmosphere of the home. The relationships begin to shift. The marriage begins to be enriched. Things begin to change in their lives. And suddenly, out of nowhere, this youngest child starts to have incredible vocabulary that this child never had before. What's going on? The kingdom of God is breaking in. And I believe the kingdom of God is breaking in in this hour of the church. If we will pay attention to what God is desiring to reveal, I believe all of us begin to experience something of a supernatural magnitude as our simple way of life. You know, the Bible talks about this dude named Obed-Edom in the Bible. You ever read about Obed-Edom? Like, we don't even know much about him. But what we do know is they kind of took a sidebar and left the Ark of the present, uh, the ark of the Covenant or the presence of God in his house. And the Bible says everything about the atmosphere of his house changed. I'm just saying in Jesus' mighty name, God wants to affect the atmosphere of our house. And we need to learn to invite the presence of God into our hearts and into our homes. It should be our way of life. And in doing so, what happens? The fear of the Lord unlocks this treasure of God's kingdom, the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. What, what the, what's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord simply means we acknowledge God's ways as the heavens are above the earth. God's ways are better than our ways. That means God should have a voice on what you call acceptable entertainment in your home. I got to tell you, I'm blown away by some of the stuff I see people post that as a Christian, they're embracing in terms of modern day entertainment that you just invite right into the atmosphere of your house. Y'all were shouting a little bit ago. 
the fear of the Lord unlocks the kingdom of God. In other words, I'm not just making decisions. I'm learning to discern what God is having to say about the situation going on in my life. I'm convinced one day you and I are going to stand before the Lord our God and we are going to come to a greater reality of the things that really mattered to us here didn't really matter that much to him. And the things that really didn't matter to us here are really going to have mattered a lot to God. And I don't think we have to wait for eternity to get the perspective of God when the Bible actually says you and I have the mind of Christ. So learning to embrace what God is desiring to reveal and letting it affect, I'm not talking about trying to stir up a bunch of legalism. I'm talking about learning to live in a way that God is pouring out grace on your life because he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. We humble ourselves before the Lord our God and something begins to be awakened in powerful ways. This, uh, this is a Bible verse that we find in Scripture in more than one place. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. This is, I'm just going to make every decision. God, I'll consult you when I need you, but I'm good. That's pride. God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Now, if you find a verse of Scripture that God actually purposes to be in the Bible multiple times, we're talking J Proverbs 3, James 4, 1 Peter 5, if God puts a verse in Scripture multiple times, we probably should pay close attention to it. And I'm going to say to you that this actually is a very instrumental key verse to unlock God's kingdom to break into our hearts and into our homes and into our lives. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what does it look like for God to begin to give grace or pour out his grace on your prayers? Can you imagine? Has anybody ever been in a time in your life where it just seemed like in that season God was answering prayers? That's God pouring out grace on your prayers. What does it look like for God to pour out his grace on your finances? How many of you good with God pouring out his grace on your finances? Can I get an amen if you've been to the gas pump lately? Lord, pour out your grace on our finances. What does that look like? What does it look like for God to pour out his grace on relationships that exist in our lives? And here's the thing you've got to understand. Every illustration and every analogy that I'm trying to give you, God gives grace to the humble. So if you want God to pour out his grace in your prayers, Humble yourself in a place of prayer and pursuit of God. You know, the Bible actually says, um, I didn't mention uh, Lauren, did I? Yeah, I did earlier. Okay. Hi, Dave. How you doing? <laughs> I'll guarantee <laughs> it's a spiritual gift. <laughs> The Bible actually says, <laughs> if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. What's happening? If they begin to humble themselves, I'll pour out my grace on their prayers. This is how you get God's grace poured out on your prayers. You humble yourself to pray and pursue the Lord your God. You know, we 
talk about it all the time, mention it all the time. I had some, some feedback on this this last week, but the idea of turn the page is so simple. And, and somebody shared, they've tried all these different reading plans and they just feel like they can't keep up with all these plans, doing all these different things. But if you just get an old-fashioned Bible and you go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, and you write the date at the top of the page and you put something in there like, hey, Jesus, good to be with you. And whenever the Lord might reveal something to you, you might want to write it in the margin. But every day you do one thing turn one page and put the date at the top of that next page put your child's first steps I mean how many thousands of times have you heard me say this church family that is here but if you will take measures to actually integrate something like this it winds up being an heirloom that you leave in the hands of your children take the time to humble yourself before the Lord your God in the word and in prayer in fasting and praying we meet here Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. talk about humbling yourself get up early and show up to morning prayer let's press in and go deeper I know it's a sacrifice but that's the essence of humility or humbling ourselves isn't it we meet on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and we just pray into the Sunday morning we're now starting a Thursday we just did this last week Thursday noon to 1 where we're just targeting Easter Sunday how many of you believing for God's kingdom to show up in a powerful way in a day when people who don't normally come into this building or join us online and they suddenly step into a place of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't want to just leave that up to chance. We want to pray into that. We want to humble ourselves and watch God pour out his grace in those situations because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What does it look like for God to pour out his grace on on finances? I mean, I would love that, but what does that look like? He gives grace to the humble. In other words, we honor his word and we honor the Lord. And he tells us as we increase in our finances, we are to tithe with our worship. We show up to the storehouse and we give a tithe of our increase in our giving stations or online, however that works for you. But you give saying, I humble myself. I know that God owns it and I know that God loans it. And I've got about a century to have what it is that will be entrusted to my care. And then it goes to somebody else. And I'm going to humble myself to acknowledge that God is bigger than I am with all of this. And guess what? He pours out his grace on the humble. What about relationships? Man, I want to have a great marriage. How about you? I want to have really deep, meaningful friendships with people around me. How about you? Well, humble yourself to love those people from a posture of humility and see what it's like for God to pour out his grace on the humble in that situation. And then we talk about watch for grace. Pay attention when God is pouring out grace, when you're maybe serving somebody in a way that you sense the grace of God. Step into that moment. Last week, it was interesting, a guy named David, who's just recently started attending our church. He was in the first service this morning. He came to Tuesday morning prayer, and he got up and he just shared that uh, he had gone into a store, and there was a guy there, and he felt like the Lord was telling him to invite that guy to come to church on Easter Sunday. So those cards that are on your seats. Um, he had one of those. I take those, and if the Lord prompts you, you see that opportunity, then that might be a great opportunity for you this next week to minister to people in that way. And he just felt impressed to do so, so he invited the guy, handed him the card, and it was just this incredible moment, and the guy shared what a confirmation the conversation was from something he sensed God was saying to him that morning. This is what I wanna say about this. Easter is coming. 
and Jesus is alive and people can experience his life through you before they ever make it to church if you're willing to pay attention and watch for that grace. Come on, let's just learn how to love people well. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the world doesn't really want to be saved. The world wants to be loved. And if we love them well, it opens the door for God then to do what only God can do in their lives without this big religious hook in the middle of it all. Just love people well. Anybody want to learn what it is to experience God's grace in every area of your life? True humility releases powerful authority. This is a big statement that I've been wrestling with, and I want you to think with me just for a moment um, the significance of this, because humbling ourselves unlocks God's kingdom, and true humility releases powerful authority, spiritual authority in our lives, but it's tricky. You know, the kingdom of God has this little... Um, it's, a, it's almost like a tricky equation, and if you, if you don't get it right in your heart, in your pursuit, that your pursuit needs to be to the Lord, then this tricky equation starts to take you into a, a different direction that's actually not biblical at all. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Humility releases authority. Humility never chases authority. If you're humbling yourself because you want to pursue greater authority, then you're not pursuing humility, you're pursuing authority. I said this a few years ago, and we've said it a lot. <clears throat> God's truth typically comes with an interesting trick. How many of you know God wants your life to be awesome? He delights in the prosperity of his servant. God wants your life to be awesome. Can I get a loud amen? God wants my life to be awesome. Amen. That is truth, but that truth comes with the trick. And the trick is God's plan is for you to provide an awesome life for others, not pursue an awesome life for yourself. And that in and of itself is what will make your life awesome. Amen. I mean, you understand these truths, uh, they, they're born with these tricks and we have to get our hearts right in order for them to function in our lives. The kingdom of God is unlocked by the fear of the Lord or humbling ourselves. Uh, the Bible says in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Notice it doesn't say give so it will be given to you. It says give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you. In other words, you're giving because you're humbling yourself before the Lord and you're honoring his word, not because you're chasing after the bigger, better life that you can get on earth by using God's principles. Only through humility can we really posture ourselves well, that we actually die to ourselves in this true pursuit of God, of his heart. And when we get that right, so much of God's kingdom begins to be unlocked within us. And when we get that wrong, so much of our theology becomes absolutely problematic. How many of you know we live in a day where the church has abused uh, these principles in a way that they've actually just required of people, uh, treating people as if they're just consumers showing up to receive something from, from the leaders. And then, you know, if you really want God to bless you, you want to do this. If you really want to see the kingdom, 
kingdom of God, then you got to do this. I just want you to know something. Jesus wants you to have a heart to know him. That is the most important thing you could ever resolve in your life. All the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. He's the pursuit. Those things are results. When we make results the pursuits, then we've got it all wrong. Pursuing the heart of Jesus is what really begins to change everything. The Bible says in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Not humble yourself before the Lord so he will lift you up. If you're humbling yourselves before the Lord so he will lift you up, then you're not pursuing humility, you're pursuing being lifted up. You, you understand? It's this this slope that we have to really get established within our hearts and it's following the very example of God revealed in the nature of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 to 9. Jesus made himself nothing. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. This is amazing. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own personal benefit. He laid it all down to come into the earth, and he died, bled out every drop of blood on a cross suspended between heaven and earth to bridge the gap so you and I can come to the table of the Lord with our heavenly Father and know the Lord our God. He did that for us. Because he wasn't given to a self-serving agenda. And he's trying to deliver us from a self-serving agenda. And that's why he says you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. If you don't learn how to deny yourself, you are going to constantly be using everything to manipulate for yourself. But God wants to deliver you from that. He wants your relationships to be healthy and whole and well. And have grace being poured out on them. A marriage relationship, there's nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship and there's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love and the grace of God being poured out friendship the same working relationships the same when we're trying to make it happen for me we're violating something that's at the very core of the kingdom of God the very character of God is being violated Philippians 2 6 to 9 Jesus made himself nothing just such a great verse. So God exalted him to the highest place. He didn't make himself nothing in order to be exalted. He made himself nothing, therefore then God exalted. The lowest place of humility unlocks the highest place of authority. When the pursuit of your heart is truly to humble yourself before the Lord. I mean, recognize Lucifer elevated himself and he was cast down. Jesus humbled himself and he was raised up. Which example do you follow? Are you trying to self-promote? Because if you self-promote, you will self-destruct. It's only a matter of time until people stop buying all the stuff you're trying to sell them about how awesome you are. If you just get honest. I mean, the story of, of Lexi, you know, it really touches my heart on so many levels. But just the fact that she's having an honest conversation with God and God's like, do you have faith? She's like, I, not much. There's something beautiful about that transparency with God, isn't there? 
there's something beautiful about that in every relationship we'll ever have. Just be honest. I'm going to share something next week, kind of in a family conversation. Um, and we're going to wait till next week to talk about it. But I just want to be honest about maybe some of the things in all of us, but certainly in my own heart, that I know God is dealing with on a deeper, deeper level. He's really taking us to a new place as the body of Christ in the earth. I want to go there. I don't want to play patty cake church. How about you? I really want to know what this is all about. I want to know. Jesus didn't die so we can merely show up to church. I mean, let's fit church in. We, we, you know, we got, we got all kinds of stuff going with all of our kids. We got kind of all kinds of stuff going on with our family. We got all kinds of stuff going in every direction. And we'll show up to church from time to time. Jesus didn't die so you could fit church in and be a part, you know, on a casual level. Jesus died so you could become a Christian, a representative, an ambassador of heaven and the earth where actually the atmosphere of God's kingdom exists in your heart. When you walk into a room, there's something of the authority of God being released that's born from humility before the Lord your God because the fear of the Lord unlocks the treasure of God's kingdom everywhere you go. Like people will think more clearly, see more clearly just because you are there as you're carrying the presence of God. People are actually designed by God to dwell in the presence of God. And when you carry the presence of God into an unbeliever's life, they start to see things more clearly. I've actually had conversations with people that are so caught up in intricacies of elaborate sin. And when I'm talking to them, I'm around them, then there have been instances where they've started to see with great clarity the problems that were going on in their life and then like later I would leave the meeting and they would just get all caught back up in that mindset and then we would come together again and they would see it with greater clarity and I just felt the Lord was revealing to me you're carrying my presence to them in a way that's helping them understand something that they cannot understand until they surrender to my presence themselves you will live in a state of confusion until you learn what I'm talking about you will have to be addressed like mere humans when you're actually men and women of the Spirit by design. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and see God's kingdom break into your life. David made this statement. Worship team, if you would go ahead and come back up. King David made this statement. Psalms 35 verse 13. Such a simple statement. I humbled my soul with fasting. When was the last time you missed a meal on spiritual purpose? He said, I humbled myself, I humbled my soul with fasting. I, I mean, I realize this is, you know, different people in different places with what this looks like and but there's just something about telling my body. All the passions and all the lusts. Anybody here have passions and lusts that try and take control out of your body? Can I just see if that's you? Just raise your hand. Okay, good. About half of us, the rest of us have a passion and lust to lie, okay? Like, there's this passion, this lust. Your body is an enemy to, you got to understand, the Bible describes this very clear. Your body has these passions, these lusts, these drives. And so fasting actually takes all of that and says, shut up and sit down because my spirit man is in control. Humbling myself before the Lord my God, 
supernatural strength begins to be awakened in my life. I'm less in touch with paying attention to all the things my body desires, more in touch with all the things my spirit man desires. He said, I humbled myself, my soul, with fasting. So I would encourage you, find maybe a meal or a day of just fasting and prayer over the course of this week, just saying, Lord, I'm so hungry, I'm not going to eat. I'm so hungry for the things of the Spirit, I'm going to choose to press in on those. Instead of a meal in the physical, I'm going to take time to memorize a chapter of Scripture. I'm just going to focus on that when I would normally be eating. Just rehearsing, reading, meditating, walking, praying, whatever that looks like. I mean, how do you know? I'm talking about growing into a deeper place spiritually. What are the things that really matter to God? And how are we sacrificially devoting ourselves to those things? Loving, serving, giving, gathering, just seeing his kingdom expand in every direction, everywhere we go, carrying his presence. Everyone is created for abundant life. It's our 2022 New Year's revelation. Everyone is created for abundant life. But in God's kingdom, life is born from death. That's why Jesus had to die in order for him to live. That's why you have to die to yourself. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I die daily. That means he lived daily to the purposes of God. Because in God's kingdom, life is born from death. What are some areas maybe in your own life that you need to put to rest today? And I just want to challenge you. Let's just take a moment. We're going to have just a little funeral moment. Let's put some things to rest. Let's just put some things to rest. Why don't you just close your eyes, open your heart. The Holy Spirit will show you what you need to see. don't want to preach as if I'm the one doing the heavy lifting because we're all just here to learn from you so I just thank you that you're reaching into each of our hearts in a very individual and a very personal and a very powerful way maybe there are those that identified with a prophetic malfunctioning going on because they've been hiding some areas of their lives that they know need to be addressed and dealt with. Lord, deal with those things. Maybe there's some specific areas in, in our lives that you're just wanting to shine a light on that we've neglected, ignored, not paid enough attention to. We're just hungry for you. We really do desire to walk with you. So Lord, we just put to rest some things that need to die today. <clears throat> just, just where you're seated, there are specific things you know, something specific that you know the Lord says needs to die. Just posture by lifting both your hands and surrender. Let's surrender those things 
together as a family before the Lord our God. Father, we surrender to you, not out of an effort to try and become more religious, not out of an effort to try and become legalistic, out of an effort to just walk with you in a way that we're humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And you begin to release your kingdom of favor and grace and love and abundance and provision upon our lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's all just stand together. You know, Jesus died so that we could have life. And life comes from death in the kingdom of God. The last uh, statement on your notes, if you have notes online. If you don't devote yourself to the greater purposes of love, you will confine yourself to a self-serving existence, and you were born for more than that. So I want to challenge you this week, just humble yourself personally, financially, relationally, in every way, very intentionally, every single day over the course of the week, just inviting the Lord to teach you His ways. He teaches us His ways. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, do you know Jesus? Have you really given your life to Christ? Do you know what it is to accept the fact that He died on the cross and became our sin? Didn't just die for our sin. The Bible says He became our sin and killed it so that we don't have to live there anymore. He took our sin. We took His righteousness. Aren't you thankful? Like, that's what Jesus did for us. I'm so thankful. You know, I think we probably all should just break into a, applause and appreciation right now as we just say, thank you, Jesus. You came, you lived, you died so that we might have life. And then Jesus is saying, you've accepted who I am on the cross as your Savior. Now I want to teach you what it is for me to be Lord. So I want to encourage you in that as we just step into this time of worship. It's just a few moments of worship. It's our, our, our family expression together. We take what God's stirring in our hearts, and then we just bring it back to Him in worship in the way we conclude our gathering. And I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team. They're going to make their way back. They'll be under the lights just behind the center section. If there's anything we can pray with you about, if you were lifting your hands a moment ago and you just want a prayer of agreement over something that needs to really be addressed deep within you, then we're available for that. There's communion right here at the back of this center section every single week during a time of worship. You just want to celebrate the broken body and shed blood of Christ, and we invite you to do that in a personal way in your place of worship. There are times we'll do that all together, but every week that's available. Giving stations are always available. We want you to give, give out of worship, not out of obligation, but truly an attitude of adoration and the worship to the Lord our God. Can we just take a few moments together before we're commissioned with a charge out of here? Let's just humble ourselves and worship to the Lord our God. We prepare our hearts before you, Lord. Lord, even uh, with the understanding in the Western World Church, we've made worship more about entertainment than encounter. And I believe you're redeeming that and drawing our attention back to what it really means to encounter God as our way of worship. We know that worship's not a slow song. Worship is a lifestyle. 
So when we gather like this and we begin to worship, it's such an expression of, the, of a worshipful heart just to engage on a deeper level together with our brothers and sisters. Take us deeper, we pray, Lord. Help us to grow spiritually because it really does matter in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship just for a few moments before we're dismissed to go.